0: Welcome to the podcast of Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. We hope that you enjoy the sermons and other audio provided by us. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it will be beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. If you would, open up your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 21. We'll begin in verse 33. Matthew chapter 21, verse 33. Um... This passage uh, is another parable that Jesus tells us in the same context as what uh, he we were in last week. Remember, last week the Pharisees or the scribes uh, and the chief priests or the elders of the people these these religious leaders they come to Jesus in verse twenty three and they ask him, "By what authority do you do these things?" They're challenging Jesus' authority. And Jesus responds by basically saying, you know, what authority did John the Baptist have? I mean, was it from heaven or was it from man? And they didn't want to answer. They, they didn't want to answer. They, he called them out on their bluff, so to speak. Um, and then Jesus gave this parable about two sons. And this parable confronted the Pharisees, or they, it confronted these religious leaders with uh, the fact that they were like this Son, who, while they were enthusiastic, saying yes, we'll, we'll do the Father's will. They didn't do it. They didn't do it, um, showing their hypocrisy. Now, today, uh, Jesus tells us another parable uh, in this conflict with the, these religious leaders. And, and this parable is a little bit different. This parable, um, it, it's more like an allegory. Um, not all the parables, in fact, most of the parables are not an allegory, but an allegory would be like where this stands for this, this stands for this. You know, the, the, um, the parable of the soils was also another allegory that we, we saw where um, the sower went out to sow and the, and the, the sower was the son of man. It was, it was Jesus. The sower went out to sow and uh, the seeds fell on the path. Um, some of them fell on the good soil. Some of them fell on, on rocky soil and all all those things. And the rocky soil was, um, you know, that, that soil where, well, it was like the one where, uh, uh, the birds came and ate it and all all those got all those kinds of things that, that, that's kind of an allegory here. We see another allegory that Jesus is using as a parable. And I'll say up front here, it seems that the thrust of this passage is talking about what would take place in history. It's not so much teaching us about what we're to do. There's implications where we need to look at this and find out what we need to do in response, but it seems the thrust of the passage is really talking about what took place when Jesus walked among us. So let's go ahead and read our text, beginning in verse 33. Hear another parable. There was a master of the house who planted a vineyard and put a fence around it and dug a winepress in it and built a tower and leased it to tenants and went into another country. When the season for fruit drew near, he sent his servants to the tenants to get his fruit. And the tenants took his servants and beat one and killed another and stoned another. And he sent other servants, more than the first, and they did the same. Finally, he sent his son to, say, son to them, saying, they will respect my son. But when the tenants saw the son, they, did, they said to themselves, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him and have his inheritance. And they took him and threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. When therefore the owner of, this, of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? They said to him, he will put those wretches to a miserable death and let out the vineyard to other tenants who will give him the fruits in their season." When the chief priests and the Pharisees heard this, par- these par- His parables, they perceived that He was speaking about them. And although they were seeking to arrest Him, they feared the crowds because they held Him to be a prophet. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for Your Word. Your Word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And Father, we... We thank You that You have given us words of life. Nourish us by Your Word. Give us ears to hear and eyes to see. May we not be like the religious leaders who stumble over Jesus. May we be a people who produces fruit. Father, give me strength and grace as I preach your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Begins, here another parable. It's, it's uh, here linking it to what came before it, and I've already kind of addressed that. He's linking it to the fact that uh, it's this is the same context. Here another parable. There was a master of the house who planted a vineyard and put a fence around it and dug a wine press and built a tower. And I'm going to stop right there. As the Pharisees, as the chief priests or the elders of the people, as they all heard these words, they were familiar with Isaiah chapter 5 that, that Ron read from. They, I'm sure they were familiar. And as they heard these words, they probably were thinking, Jesus is telling a parable about Israel. Because that's what that old parable was about. They were probably thinking, yeah, I recognize this story. Then he kind of changes it a little bit in this next line. Whenever he says, and he leased it out to tenants. Oh, here, maybe this piqued their interest. This is something different. Before, he was talking about all the good things that he in, in, in uh, Isaiah, all the good things that he did, and the, the vineyard produced sour grapes. But here, there's a change. He, instead, he, he leases it to tenants, and he goes into another country. So we're setting up this story. There's a good vineyard. All the things that, have been, that were necessary to make it produce good fruit had been done. And God, or the Master, was letting the vineyard over to tenants, tenant farmers, who would give from their produce to pay the rent, and they'd be able to keep um, their portion to live on. Well... We see next, when the season for fruit drew near, He sent His servants, the tenants, to get His fruit. Um, I'm going to go ahead and just kind of break down the, the, uh, the, uh, met, the um, allegory as we go. Just like in Isaiah, the beloved who planted a vineyard it was God, and the vineyard was Israel, we have here the master of the house who planted the vineyard is God, and the vineyard, again, is Israel, just like in the Isaiah passage. And the tenants the tenants are the religious leaders, the chief priests and the, 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 the people who read the Word and studied it and taught the people. They, these were the, the religious leaders. These were the tenants. And the servants that He's sending to them to come and collect the rent, basically, those are the prophets. He sent prophets to the people and what did the tenants do, the religious leaders do? They beat one, killed another, and stoned another. And again, he sent more servants, more prophets he sent to them, more than the first. And they did the same. And, and, we, and we see here, I, I think this is how the, in, in the Old Testament, you had God sending his servants the prophets. He he sent them Moses. Now they didn't kill Moses, but he sent them Moses and you know Moses was up on the mountain. He was getting the law and when he came down, what were the people doing? <laughs> they were having a party and worshiping a golden calf. He he sent people like the judges. And you know how the book of judges ends? Maybe, maybe you have, maybe you don't. I won't spoil it for you. <laughs> he sent prophets like Samuel. Samuel and how Samuel was so disappointed whenever the people, they wanted they wanted him to appoint a king like the nations. They, he, he sent, um, um, Jeremiah. well, yeah, I'm going to get to that. I'm going to get to that. He sent uh, Elijah and Elisha and all the prophets that we see in, in the book of Samuel and Kings. OK, uh, all those. And, and maybe these are the first prophets that he sends, the set of first prophets that he that he, uh, he sends. Uh, the Jewish um, tradition calls these the 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 former prophets. The ones that came first, and then the latter prophets, maybe maybe are the ones that uh, he sends the, the more of, like Jeremiah, like J- Jeremiah, like Isaiah, like uh, Ezekiel, like all of these other latter prophets who who come and the people mistreat them, they abuse them. You know, Jeremiah was thrown down into a cistern and left for dead. They abused the prophets, they killed the prophets. There were some are some of them that were killed. And as Jesus tells this parable, he's pointing out how the prophets who God sent to speak for him were mistreated and killed. And then Jesus says, "But when the tenants, oh, no, no, Again, he sent other, and they did this. Sorry, verse thirty-seven. Finally, my eyes. Sorry. Finally, he sent his son to them, saying, "They will respect my son." Now, this, of course, is Jesus. This is Jesus. They'll send my son. They'll they'll, they'll respect my son. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to him, themselves, "This is this one's the heir. Come, let us." Uh, kill him and have the inheritance. Now, um, we don't want see the one of the problems with allegories is we try to maybe see too much correspondence. Uh, the The motivation of the um, the Pharisees and the religious leaders it wasn't because they were trying to like get the get the inheritance from the heir. They did not recognize that he was the son at all. They 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 refused to see that he was actually the son of God. So let's not try to to force every detail in His place. But the reaction to Jesus, the reaction to the Son is the same. They, it says, they threw Him out of the vineyard and killed Him. And the Bible tells us they took Jesus out of the city onto a hill called Golgotha. And they killed Him. They nailed Him to a cross. And they killed Him. Jesus is speaking about something that hasn't happened yet in this parable. Here, they're getting ready. They want to arrest Him. They desire to arrest Him. Eventually, they want to kill Him. And He's telling them what they're going to do. And He asks the question, when therefore the owner of the vineyard comes? Oh, the owner of the vineyard has been forgotten about. These, these uh, uh, servants, these, these tenants, they, they have the wrong idea. They think, oh, if we kill the heir, we'll be able to take the inheritance. But they're forgetting that the vineyard owner is coming. The vineyard owner is coming. And Jesus asked them, when the vineyard owner comes, what will he do to those tenants? And they get the picture. He says he'll put those wretches to a miserable death and let out the vineyard to tenants who will give them the fruits of their season. He said he'll take it away from them, kill them and give give it to somebody else who's going to take care of the of the vineyard and give him his his proper rent. He'll he'll they'll produce fruit. Now Jesus responds, they're right. He's right. They're right in their answer. And Jesus responds, Have you never read in Scripture the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone? This was the Lord's doing and it was marvelous in our eyes. This is is something that is repeated throughout the New Testament. This quotation from Psalm 118. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The idea here... Just like Jesus, the builders, that would be the the Pharisees, the religious leaders, rejected the stone. They rejected Jesus. But it's become the cornerstone or the most important, the most prominent stone. Um, This was probably, as it was written in uh, Psalm 118, maybe it was about David. You know, David he was overlooked. He was rejected. When David was first written about, he was out in the fields shepherding, taking care of his father's sheep. Samuel overlooked him. Um, His father, like he didn't call him out with all the other sons to be looked at to see if he could be the one anointed as king. His brothers, they thought, oh no, he's just, the, he's just the kid. So the ones that was rejected by even Samuel and, and uh, Jesse and David's brothers, he was rejected. This one has become the, the capstone, the most important, the most prominent. He was the one who was to be king. Because while man looks at the outside... God looks at the heart in David. Just like David was overlooked, just like David was rejected, the Messiah, the one who David was a type of, would be rejected by man. And he would become the cornerstone. It says this was the Lord's doing. This was the Lord's doing. When... The religious leaders of Jesus' day rejected Jesus. When the religious leaders had Jesus arrested and crucified, this was the Lord's doing. It was His plan. From all from, from the beginning of the creation of the world, it was the Lord's plan that He would send His son. Peter. Preaches his sermon in Acts chapter 2 and says almost the same thing. God's foreordained plan was done by the hands of wicked men who crucified Jesus. And it was marvelous in our eyes. This brings God glory. This brings God glory. Why did God choose to take the one that the world overlooked, the religious leaders rejected? To give honor and glory to. Because it brings God glory. It brings God glory. It says it is marvelous in our eyes. God loves to take the little things. The the despised in the world's eyes. He takes our weaknesses. And He turns those around and brings himself glory through them. He uses the weak of this world so that he gets the glory. Jesus then says to the Pharisees, I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you, these Pharisees, these religious leaders, and be given to a people producing its fruits. So Jesus is telling them, the, the kingdom of God it will be taken away from the Jewish people It will be taken away from the, the religious leaders and it will be given to people producing his fruit. He is creating a new community when when he died on that cross and whenever he rose again, he called together his disciples and he is making through us disciples of all nations. He created a new community. That's the ones who produce fruit and give it in its season. Then Jesus says, "And the one who on who this on who oh, I can't read. <laughs> and the one who falls on this stone will be broken in pieces, and when it falls on anyone, it will crush him." Now, the literally this phrase, the the cornerstone is like the stone of the corner, and it can also be used as like a capstone. So this capstone, you know, back in the ancient times, they had, uh, you know, Moses in the law told to put a, a parapet around, your ha- around the roof, because people would go up on the roof and they'd walk around. And the the capstone may have been uh, around the edge of the house, and it's kind of low, and so when it says the one who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces, it's like someone trips over this capstone and falls off the roof and dies. That's the idea. Or the one on whom it falls, it will crush. So again, the, this idea that the stone is there on the top of the house while people are walking around on it. And maybe if it's loose or something, it might get pushed off and it'll fall on somebody. And again, no, they'll, they'll, they'll die. I think the point that Jesus is getting at is the one who stumbles over Jesus. The one who refuses to receive Him because of whatever kind of stumbling block they have, whether it's intellectual or moral or whatever. The one who refuses Jesus, Jesus will crush. Now, this this is a little bit maybe foreign to the way we think, but Jesus came the first time as a Savior, as a Redeemer, but He's coming again someday. He's coming again, and He will come with a sword out of His mouth, with flames of fire in His eyes, riding a white horse, and He is going to put all of His enemies under His feet. One of these days, there will no longer be any injustice because Jesus will come and make justice. And so, the one who stumbles over Jesus, when the time comes, when he comes again, he will be crushed. Because when Jesus comes again, he will come to judge. Verse 45, when the chief priests and the Pharisees heard this parable, they perceived that he was speaking about them. Well, I'm glad they picked up on it. <laughs> he couldn't have been more clear. In verse 43, he says, it will be taken away from you and given to people producing fruit. Say yeah, they picked up on it. They perceived that this, these parables were about them. And although they were seeking to arrest him, they feared the crowds because they held him to be a prophet. It wasn't his time yet, although it was that week. We've already had Jesus entering into Jerusalem on the back of a donkey. This is the final week. They're preparing to arrest him. And in their hearts, we see here, they, they want to arrest him, they want to kill him, they want to get rid of him, they want to do the very thing that will fulfill the prophecy that Jesus is accusing them of. We've explained the text. This is what Jesus has said to these Pharisees, these religious leaders. Now, what does that mean for us? What does this mean for us? This is our hope. Jesus, the Son of God, was sent. And while some rejected Him, his death in his rejection was marvelous in our eyes. It was for us. This is a picture of the gospel. While Jesus was rejected by many in his day, he, his rejection led to him giving his life on a cross for our sins. If this did not happen, we would, be, we would all go to hell. Jesus, in God's infinite wisdom, it was God's plan that Jesus would go to the cross and He would be the sacrificial substitute for us. We are sinners. All of us. We have all broken God's law. We deserve no more grace than these Pharisees. And yet, Jesus... Took our place. We're not to have the attitude of the Pharisees and stumble over him. We look to him. We find forgiveness and grace. We find a home at the cross. We are adopted as sons and daughters. We are justified. We were guilty. We truly did sin, and yet because of Jesus and how He satisfied God's divine justice by taking our sin upon Himself, by paying our debt on the cross, we have been declared righteous. Are we really righteous? We are legally declared in God's eyes righteous, and we are becoming more and more righteous as we grow in sanctification, never to reach it perfectly in this life. But one day, Jesus will present us faultless and blameless before him. One day, we will be perfectly righteous, never to sin again. So again, what's the so what here? What do we do? We believe this message. We believe that the Bible, the Old Testament, pointed forward to a Savior who would come and be rejected by the religious leaders, put to death on a cross, and die for our sins. What do we do with this? We believe the gospel. The Gospel is for all of us. It's not just the message that we tell unbelievers. It's what Christians need every week. It's how how Christians stay nourished. We need the Gospel. Every day, every minute. We need to be reminded every day. I could never do it on my own. Only Jesus. Jesus. Jesus paid it all. When we're discouraged because we see how far we fall from the standard that God has given, we look to Jesus. He paid it all. When we get puffed up and proud because we think maybe we're doing a good job, we need to be lowered. And we look to Jesus. He paid it all when we're going through a hard time because maybe we're sick, maybe we're, we're um, de- dealing with family problems or, or relational issues, we look to Jesus. He came to people who despised Him. He experienced pain and suffering for us. That's the Gospel. Jesus paid it all. listening to this message from Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. For more information, please visit us at RedeemerBaptistPanama.com or you can like us on Facebook.